you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to the book of Mark. Book of Mark. Let you get there and then we'll open in prayer. The book of Mark. Again, if you uh, don't have a Bible, please let us know. Um, We have stacks of them in the office and would love to give you one. Uh, Just so you know also... um, there are different versions of the Bible out there, and, and we don't, you know, make you have a certain version here. But what we do to uh, use, I use, and, and uh, a whole lot of you, it's the, called the New International Version, NIV for short. And uh, we use the one that is copyrighted 1984. Um, after that, they, they came out with some newer versions, and uh, they changed some words as far as gender issues and things like that. And, and so uh, we do the NIV 1984 um, but I know some of you do New King James, some of you do maybe English Standard, and, and you know, that, that's all fine. But, but if you ever wondered, what, what version is he reading out of? Uh, I started in New King James when I was a new believer, and uh, I came up to Ojai from San Diego, and, and uh, I would have opportunity to preach, and, and the challenging part was I was reading out of New King James, and the entire congregation was NIV, and it was a little bit, a little bit tough because one or two words or a phrasing would be different. So I switched over. Of course, the challenging part for me is every memory verse I have is New King James. So I've had to rewire my brain that way. But that's okay. So if you need a Bible, please, please, please ask. Uh, We'd love to get get one to you. All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you for our time of worship so far. And and Lord, uh, we have been in a series focusing on your goodness, your goodness. And Lord, uh, oftentimes we equate uh, what happened last night. Wow, and we say God is good. And we attend a, a, a wedding. You say, oh man, it's so beautiful. God is good. And, and yet we've been learning, Lord, that no matter what the circumstance in our life, you are still good. You are still good. You are literally good all the time. That's what the Bible teaches us. And, and yet, Lord, we know that we hear that in our minds. And, and it may take a while to sink into our heart and ultimately down to our belief uh, level. So, Father, teach us again. Uh, this morning through your word, through the Holy Spirit, the, the counselor, Lord, that uh, enables us to, to understand your word. And then, and then, Lord, bring application. We're not here just to do a Bible study, but, Lord, we're here to be transformed. That uh, you know each person this morning um, and what they need from you. Uh, so, Lord, we, we trust you with that. Uh, we know that you are good, your word is good, and you desire good for us. So uh, bless this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're, we're in this series on God's goodness. And why is that important? Because your view of God affects every area of your life. Every area of your life. Because, you know, we often say around here, when you, when you put your faith in Jesus, you enter into a covenant relationship. He, remember what he said? Follow me. Follow me. And in the practical following of, of Jesus in our lives, quite honestly, we, we are challenged perhaps every day with issues of faith and trust and obedience, right? And every day, perhaps in our flesh, we're confronted with, I don't like that. I don't want to. That's unpleasant, right? In our, in our mind, perhaps every day when we're confronted with a decision to follow Jesus, we're, we're confronted with fears. But what if? I'm scared to do that. I've never done that. What's going to happen? 
right? And so all these questions that, that swirl around us as we desire, really desire to follow the Lord sincerely, our flesh rears up. And, and quite honestly, at the core, it has to do with and comes down to, do you really believe he's good? Do you really believe not just that he's good, but that he desires your good? Right? And we talked about uh, last Sunday this sort of uh, sequence where, where you have beliefs that lead to thoughts create emotions, and ultimately actions, choices we make, right? And I shared with you the difference between Bill and Tyler, right? Bill believes skydiving is safe and fun. Positive thoughts, right? Positive emotions, which actually leads to what? Jumping out of a perfectly good plane, right? For the thrill of it, right? Woohoo! right? Tyler believes... That's the dumbest thing anyone could do. Amen. amen. There's an amen back there. Right? Tyler, Tyler has an opposite belief structure regarding skydiving. Thoughts of death, injury, pain, suffering, right? Not very good emotions. I'll take pictures, but I'm not going up. Right? He'll watch you jump, but he's not, his actions, his actions reveal ultimately his beliefs. And so last week we said part of the reason it's so important to understand and really take the time to ask yourself, what do I believe about God's goodness? Because the challenges you, you and I face every day, if you want to try to understand, why do I do what I do? You ever ask yourself that question? Bad me. Bad me. How could you do that again? Why did you do that? Anyone ever? Come on now. How many? Uh, oh, bad me. You know, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Right. And then we make resolutions and we, 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 when really what we kind of need to do is go, okay, bad me. What do you believe? Because if you change at the core, some beliefs, if you allow yourself to go, well, well maybe I'm not so solid in that belief. Maybe I don't actually believe he's good all the time. Maybe I'm a little bit shaky. Maybe I don't have that confidence. And that, that lack of a solid foundation belief structure plays out in sort of, you know, the challenges that occur every day, right? In your notes there, I, I put a, a wonderful quote that sort of has, has launched us by Larry Crabb. It says, when I am not convinced that God is good, I will quietly but with tight-lipped resolve, take over responsibility for my own well-being. Anybody ever uh, been raised here to be self-sufficient, self-reliant, independent, don't need help, only weaklings ask for help, all that, all that stuff, right? And so we're raised sort of in, in this culture that says, you know, I am responsible for me. I have to take care of business. I, and along comes this relationship with God and he's like, no, I'm a good God. Just, just, just walk with me. Just trust me. Hmm. But in my mind, but Lord, I've been doing such a good job. Lord, I got this and basically, Lord, just stay there. Stay there. And when I need you, I'll text you. Right? But until I send that 911, I got this. 
right? And, and so part of the understanding of the goodness of God is freedom and rest from all the weight that we tend to carry, all the responsibility, all the false belief that we're managing things really well. Thank you, Lord. Many of us have that, that, that belief. We believe that things in our life are good because of us. We've done such a smashing job. And then here's the crazy thing. When our life doesn't go according to plan and things happen, it's not my fault. Bill, you ruined my system. And we start to, right? If people would just get with my plan, wouldn't life be good? Right? If everyone would just listen to life according to Ernie, yeah. Ernie's life would be peaceful. Right? Susan, right? If, if people would just do it my way and not question Scott, just do it, Scott. Right? And so we, we carry this responsibility and, and we develop our own kingdom and, and we start to carry this weight and part of the, un, the, the joy of understanding the goodness of God is like, oh, it's your weight. Because remember what we end with last week. Cast all your cares upon Him because what? He cares for you. That word cast is like when they threw a, a blanket on the donkey for Jesus to ride. He wants you to cast all your cares on Him because He cares for you. Oh, but I told you, right? We, we wear our cares like a robe, like an old sweater. But I like them. I like carrying all my cares. Right? And along comes a very good God and says, Hey, you know that, that, that weight of your cares? Would you just cast them on me? Because I'm a good God. And I care about you. I really do care about you. Why is that hard? Because in our world, it doesn't look very caring, huh? And a lot of us have been betrayed. A lot of us have been uh, straight up lied to. A lot of us have developed what I shared with you last week, this me-against-the-world mentality. Everyone was an enemy, a direct enemy, and if you weren't a direct enemy, you were a threat, an obstacle, a roadblock, right? I don't know how many of you have, have ever grown up with this sense that, that somebody was in your corner. Woohoo! You go! You go! You go! I love you! I want the best for you! You keep going! You keep going! I know you messed up. I know you didn't get the grades you wanted. You are still awesome. I love you so much. Just keep going. Who grew up with that? Versus, you did it again. You did it again. When are you going to get your act together, man? Scott. Right? Right? Scott. Right? If you were only, if you're only like your brother, if you're only like your sister, right? And so we grew up with that voice in our corner. And so part of the challenge of faith is to be willing to first acknowledge you have that voice and then say, okay, Lord, I'm carrying all this baggage. Would you please help me by faith to believe what the Bible says about you? See, that's, that's the step of faith and that's even the unnerving part. Because in, in Mark, remember this story, Jesus in Mark, starting Mark 4.35, Mark 4.35, Jesus 
had said, hey, guys, let's get into this boat and we're going to go the other side of the Sea of Galilee. You've been to Israel. Sea of Galilee is a pretty big uh, body of water. It's about 700 feet below sea level, surrounded by hills. So when the winds kick up, they come swooping down the hills, stir up the Sea of Galilee as if you're in an ocean. That bad, right? Mark 4:35. he says, hey, let's go the other side. They're going, big storm, big storm. Where's Jesus? He's sleeping. Sleeping. Right? Many of us have, at times I bet, felt that God was asleep at the wheel. Right? We, we saw those, those verses. I love them, right? Very real. I love the Bible. It's very real. Psalm 10.1. Why, O oh Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Psalm 44.23. Awake, O oh Lord. Why do you sleep? You ever felt that way? Uh, Lord. Hello. Hello. That bill is due. Hello. Anyone home? Right? We, we, we've all had those moments. Jesus is asleep in the, in the, in the boat, right? And look what it says here. Um, verse 38, Mark 4. Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Again, it wasn't, he wasn't questioning their faith in his ability. They had just seen him heal somebody supernaturally a couple chapters beforehand. He was questioning their faith in his goodness. Don't you care, God? Don't you care? I have this need. Don't you care? And, and that's why we have, to, we have to really check ourselves with this idea of goodness. Because goodness, you know, it's like, oh yeah, God's good. Sure, God's good. But in those moments when we're, when we're getting wound up, and uh, 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 we can very much like the disciples say, Lord, don't you care? Don't you see what's happening all around me? And that's why we're taking this time to really just walk through, little by little, the study on the goodness of God. Because my heart desire really is that what you hear here you'll take the notes maybe one verse will stand out and during the week you'll just begin to even memorize some of these verses great verse right on it i believe it's on the front of your bulletin psalm 34 8 taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man who takes refuge in him great memory verse taste and see experience god's goodness is really what that verse says experience god's goodness how are you going to do that when you're fearful and anxious and you want to go back to your old habit of how you deal with fear and anxiety, right? And uh, last night, uh, if you were there, Nick mentioned you know, his, his little acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. Well, years ago, you know, uh, I grew up with a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. Just so pressure-packed life that one day I just snapped. And if you've ever dealt with... Uh, panic disorder and anxiety is me and and still today i just had talks with my wife a few weeks ago every day for me if you deal with fear and anxiety i'm with you that is the issue i deal with every day is a step of faith for me i have to walk in the power of the holy spirit because i can that easily go into the flesh and i can do this even as a pastor and years ago this word fear here, here's here's what god put on my heart here's fear for me 
Forgetting everything already, Richie? Talk about personal application. Forgetting everything already, Richie? About who I am? That I'm in control of it? Really, that's fear to you, huh? Forgetting everything already, Richie. That God gave me that. God spoke to me 20 years ago. And it's still real to me today. Today. Someone asked me, uh, Eileen, are you going to be nervous when you go on stage? Last night, you know, I was, I was asked to go up there and I was up there to help Nick meet people. Are you going to be nervous? I get nervous every Sunday. And I'm going to be more concerned when I stop being nervous to come up here on Sunday. Then, you know, you always got to be dependent. But even for me, I, I got to tell you, this, this is, I've studied this, I've, I've, I've known this, but I'm challenged every, every day, really, in my own study of God's goodness. Because in my mind, if I'm not careful, and I, and I choose to dwell on things I shouldn't be dwelling on and to go down the fear and anxiety route, I can go in a tailspin just as fast as you, just as fast as you. And I get wound up, and I'm like, Shh. Sometimes I have to go to my office and I have to go, forgetting everything already, Rich? You just preached it five minutes ago, dude. <laughs> you know, <laughs> literally. Something can happen on a Sunday. Okay, here's my notes that I'm saying to you. There's probably going to be something in the next hours before I go to sleep where I'm going to have to remember these notes for me. Forgetting everything already, Richie? So I share with you that, that, that uh, I, I don't have a lock on this. I'm with you. And I understand, really understand. And you could ask my wife. I really understand what it's like to be confronted with the gorilla called fear, anxiety, doubt, worry. And the answer for me in many ways is God's goodness. God's goodness. I've just been so wired to perceive any threat to me or my wife or my kids that I will just react. You know, I'm one of those... If, you know how some kids, when they get hurt, they cry, right? If someone, like, accidentally hurt me growing up, oh, my gosh, I would come over the top and attack them because I was just so, so wired, so wired to pounce on any perceived threat. And God's like, whoa, chill out here, cowboy. I'm a good God. I got this. I got this. So I have to check myself. Even when I, I, can, I can spiritualize it. Well, I'm just being protector. I'm just being... No, you're in the flesh, Richie. Because you're not trusting my goodness. Work through this in light of the scriptural truth of God's goodness. Not what you think you should do. You see the difference? And so for me, I've had to unwind a lot of my attitudes, a lot of my perceptions about people and about success and about threats and death and hurt and suffering all through the lens of God's goodness. Because I got my own reactions wired to all of it. And it's pretty much, you're going down. And, and, and I've had to check myself. I've been very defensive, very aggressive in these areas, just as a survival instinct. And now God's like, hey man, I'm a good God. you got to trust me. I am a good God, Richie. Forgetting everything already, and and so I just I just share that with you. That that's why you know sometimes I'm asked, why do you repeat? Why do you go back every Sunday? Why do why do we? Why don't we just move on to something new every Sunday? 
pretty much because we all need layering. And it just takes time. You know, when I was a youth pastor, uh, I shared with with the parents, if you were to add up, if, if if a student came to youth group and church faithfully every time we offered it, basically twice a week for the X number of hours, right? And you added all that up, you know what that would be? In a year, they're in church about a week and a half. That's all. So you come here from 9 to 10, 15, if you were to add up all those hours, 52 of them, right? How many days really are we together? How many days really are we together? How many days do you really sit under God's Word? It's not that much. And so, of course, one kid's there, and I say, it's about a week and a half, two weeks. And can, can I do that all at once? He just wants to get it all over. Can I do my two weeks and be done? I'm like, dude, really? So that's why we layer. We just take one step at a time. One step at a time. And, and we're not in a rush around here. So we're spending this time, and we're asking ourselves, what do you really believe about God's goodness? What are you holding on to in, in, in well-intentioned protectiveness, in well-intentioned desire to provide, in well-intentioned desire to even be godly? What are you holding on to that God's like, is that you or is that my goodness? You see the difference? And only, only you can answer that with the Lord. So, so take the time. Ask yourself, do I really believe that God is good all the time? Especially in a culture that isn't good much of the time. Right? And especially a culture that doesn't like followers of Jesus pretty much all the time. It's challenging. It's a real deal. It's a real deal. And so it's got to go from here to here, and then it'll come out here. And that's that's why we layer it, right? So we looked at that. In your notes, I put, you know, things we covered over the last few weeks. Why is it important in Genesis? What was Eve deceived with? God's goodness. The devil basically deceived her. Hey, you know what? God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he's really not that good. If we, if we can be deceived too. If we don't believe God is really that good, well, then who gets to be the boss? Me. I determine what's really good. So she was deceived. Second Samuel, we looked at David and Bathsheba. Right? God had given him everything, taken him from a little shepherd boy to the king's palace, given him everything. But because he lost sight of God's goodness, he became discontent, covetous. We can do that too. If we don't celebrate, right, it's in the attitude of gratitude. If we don't celebrate God's goodness, we can get caught up in materialism and covetousness. Right? I lo- someone once challenged me, you know, you may not have all that you want, but do you want what you have? Do you want what you already have? God's goodness has already given you so much. Right? And then we saw denial of responsibility, right? If we're not, if we're not really settled in, in God's goodness when we're tempted, we can just blame God. He's really not that good. He, he, he's, he's God's tempting. And what did James say? When someone is tempted, don't be deceived. You can never say that God is tempting me. God doesn't tempt anyone, right? So we have to be clear on that. And then this storm, doubt, fear, anxiety worry. Turn to Matthew 6. We're going to look at worry and and anxiety just for a little bit as we move one step forward. Matthew 6.25 says this. 
Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to this life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Anybody ever struggle with worry? Worry, right? The word picture for worry in in the original language is strangle. When you worry, it begins to strangle you. Strangles your joy, your peace. It, that, that's the word picture for, for that word. It's, it's strangle, right? And so in Matthew six twenty five, right, to, to 34, three times pretty clearly, hey, don't worry. And if you're worrying, stop worrying. I'm like, what? But I've always worried. How many of you worry and you don't even know you're worrying? It's just so natural. It's, it's like, right, worry. Now, there is a difference between worry and concern. It's okay to be concerned. You know, you've got to plan ahead. That's concern. That's stewardship, really, right? Worry crosses over a line to where you start to get strangled. You're consumed by it. It, It's it's really strangling you. That's worry, right? And so here in Matthew 6, 25 to 34, he's like, hey, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry. And you're like, how is that possible? Now, a lot of us, when we first read that, equated that with God's ability to provide. Can God provide? Yes. So we had tried to, okay, God, you said you're a big God, nothing too difficult. Pastor just said that, right? You created the heavens and the earth. You can provide. You can provide. And so we try to answer worry with, with God's ability to provide. Nothing wrong with that. But how many of us have ever tried to answer worry with God's goodness? Married to his ability. You see? Yes. How many of you affirm that God can do anything? How many of you like the fact that The God who can do everything and anything is a good God. Does that make a difference? Knowing that God who can do anything and everything is a good God, and that good God wants good for you. How many of that changes that suddenly? You're like, all right. All right. Right? My my kids uh, this summer got into watching the, the, the Rocky series. Right? All 18 of them. I don't know how many there were, right? Just like Rocky this, Rocky this. Right? And so in the corner. Who's in your corner? Right? Mick. Right? Right? And what was he? The corner man. He was just cheering them on, cheering them on, cheering them on, cheering them on. And we're trying to get you this idea that there is a good God who can do anything He wants, who's in your corner. And says, get out there. Go live this thing called life. He's your best cheerleader. He's a good God. He's a good God. Now, here's the step forward we're going to take. Okay? 
Because look at this again. It says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, uh, verse 26. They do not store, uh, sow or reap or store wind barns. Yet your heavenly Father, okay, important, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who is he speaking to? Who's the you? Believers. Believers. Very important. Okay? Look down at uh, verse 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and yet your heavenly Father knows that you need them. That's a very important verse because he makes a very clear distinction between two groups of people. The pagans... Those that don't have a, 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 we'll call it a relationship, a covenant relationship with God through Jesus, right? They're doing it on their own. They're consumed with the stuff of life. Their priorities are all about them, 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 right? Their value system is all worldly. A pagan, in this sense, is someone who's consumed with the world. Lives for the world, lives for themselves. And then, look, it says there's a distinction. For the pagans were not through all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that who needs them? You do. Believers. So here's a very here's here's a very important next step. There is something, uh, you know, if you study theology, there's something called common grace. You can call it common goodness, even. So th- it's very important because Psalm 33. These these scriptures aren't in your notes. We're going to put them in your notes next week. But if you want to write them down, you can. Psalm 33:5 says this: He loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. The earth. Psalm 145.9 The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all He has made. Psalm 145.17 The Lord is righteous in all His ways and loving toward all He has made. Matthew 5.45 He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. There is a sense of God's common goodness towards His creation. There is. Okay? Anyone enjoy a sunset? Ernie? If you're 50 million pictures of them, right? They're all good. It's like, you're like, wow, that's so good. Right? Things of nature that, that you go, wow, that's awesome. That's, God good, that's, that's a reflection of God's goodness. Anybody ever experience even a non-believer being good? Yes, right? That's an expression of God's common goodness. Because we saw last week, anything good on this planet ultimately comes from the source of all goodness, which is who? God. So there is a sense of God's common grace, common goodness. Because sometimes we, we draw this really hard line. Well, if they're not a believer, there's no good in them. No, there's common good. There's still common good, okay? But there is a distinction. There is a distinction. I love this quote. It's by J.I. Packer. It says, God is good to all in some ways and good to some in all ways. You get that? God is good to all. We just saw all these psalms. God is good to all in some ways, but He's good to some in all ways. What's the difference? We see it in Matthew 6.32. Can you call Him Father? Is He your Heavenly Father? 
Because when he's your heavenly father, he's like, hey, Scott, check this out. I'm good to everyone, but you as my child, come check this out, God, check this out. Bam! That's for you. That's for you. My wife is a first grade teacher. Imagine if my youngest daughter was in first grade and was in her class. So as a first grade teacher, Ailey would be one of the students. And Nadine would treat her like all. But there's always that. Right? There would always be that. You're not just teacher, you're mom. You see? So under God's common goodness, yeah, we're all created beings. We're all human beings on this planet. But you're my son. You're my daughter. So we got common goodness. There's rain. There's sun. Right? But there's something different about you and you and you and you. We got, we got a relationship happening. See the difference? Like, yes. Yes. And that's the difference because then we can claim all the promises from God towards His children. Amen? You see? Your heavenly Father knows. You claim that. That's yours. That's your birthright in Christ. That's the difference. He's not just God in the generic general sense. He's who? Dad. Father. Everyone say Father. Right? We looked at that word Abba. It means Papa. Daddy. If, you don't, if you're not a believer, if you don't know Jesus, you can't call Him Abba and Father. Because you're not born into the family. What does John 1.12 say? Yet to all who receive Jesus, He gave the right to become children of God. Only children of God can call Him Abba. Only children of God have your name written in the book of life. You're special. You're special. So we can go to Nordoff and proclaim God's goodness, right? He's good to all. But what was Nick doing through the gospel saying, hey, come here. I want to present a relationship to Jesus. Because then he's got this for you. He's got this goodness as his child. See, now you understand John 3.16, Right? For God so loved the world, God's goodness to the world. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. That's God's common grace, common goodness towards the the world, sending Jesus, right? That whosoever, God's common goodness, whosoever believes on Jesus should not perish but have eternal life. So then, God's extension of common grace, common goodness, you put your faith in Jesus... Bam! He becomes his child. He knows your name. And these, these intimate verses, your heavenly Father knows. Diana, would you quit running around like a pagan? <laughs> Diana, Diana, Diana. You're running around like, like you don't know me. You're... You're so caught up, and, and quite honestly, Donna, you're acting like someone who doesn't belong to the family of God. You see what he's saying there? Diana, I'm your father. I got your back. I know what you need. 
So quit letting down. Yeah, you know, just. <laughs> oh, that was, that was, that was so good. <laughs> good thing you didn't have like mace. <laughs> Pastor maced my congregant in the middle of a heavy moment. Can we smile? You gotta check yourself. I have to check myself. Forgetting everything already, Richie. You see, when I get caught up in my fears and anxieties and my panics and that da 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 da, he's like, "Why are you running around like you don't know me? Why are you reacting like 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 it's all you against the world again? You forgot you're already you're, you forgot I'm your child." You're my child. You forgot I'm your father. You forgot I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm never going to loosen the grip. I'm not going to leave you in your state of hopelessness and helplessness. Why are you forgetting everything already, Richie? You're acting like you don't even know me. Right? That's my heart. I just want you to know that you know that you know that he knows. There's a story of of this group of botanists. They were supposedly out in the Alps studying some rare plants. And and they saw through their binoculars at the the edge of a cliff. There was this rare plant way down there. No one had ever seen it. They're like, we want to get that plant. But we're all too big, right? We can't. So there's a little little kid hanging around watching them. He said, hey, kid, will you go get that? We'll lower you down. Will you go get that plant for us? I'll be back. Kid leaves. They're like, what? Right? Kid comes back with a big guy like that. That guy right there. Comes back with this older guy. Older, handsome, charming guy. He brings him up. They're like, uh, you know, all all the scientists are like, What's the deal, man? We just want to lower you down and get the plant. So the kid grabs the rope. He says, okay, I'll go down as long as my father holds the rope. See? Question is, who's holding your rope? He didn't trust the scientists. He didn't trust these strangers with his life when he had to go over the edge. The only reason this little boy was going to go down and get that plant was if his dad was holding the rope. Do you believe that your good, good, good dad is holding your rope? Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you. For your word once again. And Father, there are many here who can actually call you Father. We know that. And yet perhaps there are some this morning that, that aren't sure if uh, you're good to them in the, in the general sense as a created being or if their name is in the book of life and They can call you Papa, Daddy, and you call them child. And we know from your word that 
All we have to do is put our faith in Jesus. That we're saved by grace through faith in Jesus, not by works. In fact, John 3.16, whoever believes in Him is not condemned. has eternal life. John 1.12 Whoever receives Jesus has the right to become a child of God. And so, if you're here this morning and, and you understand and maybe you've experienced God's goodness in a very general sense, common sense, but, but you're not sure, then this morning just say, Lord, I want to call you Abba and Father. I want to be your child. And so, in the best way I know how, I I put my faith in Jesus. I believe that Jesus died for me. I know I can't earn it. I can't be good enough. I just receive by faith what Jesus did for me on the cross. So, Father, forgive me. And this morning, in the best way I know how, I just want to be born again into your family as your child. With the privilege to call you Abba, Father, and the security to know that you know everything about me and all my needs. So I put my faith in you this morning. And for those of us, Father, who are your children and yet struggle maybe with fear, anxiety, doubt, worry, maybe this morning we needed to be reminded that you hold the rope. And Father, we need to ask your forgiveness. Maybe for our own lack of faith in this area. Maybe we have just been trying to do it all on our own. And we're reminded that, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll follow. We'll trust. We'll obey. Because you are holding the rope. So we rest in that. And as we uh, take communion, once again, Jesus, we are reminded. We do it in remembrance of you. We'll take the cups and be reminded of your shed blood, your broken body, and, and, and be reminded that we're your child. And you, Father, our Heavenly Father, knows you know our needs. You're an all-powerful God. But beyond that, you are a good, all-powerful God who desires our good because you are our Father.